Welcome to the New to Crypto podcast, designed to guide you through the crypto landscape with pinpoint accuracy, created for the new and intermediate crypto investor. Join your host, Crypto Travels Michael, as he takes you through the different facets of getting started and succeeding in your crypto journey. New to Crypto Podcast brings you new episodes daily, Monday through Friday, with surprise bonus episodes sometimes on the weekend. Let me ask you, are you new to crypto? Don't know where to start? Are you more experienced but have questions? Then you're in the right place. This podcast is designed for you. Coming at you from the Trading Center in the Lifestyle Design Studio, here's your host, Crypto Travels Michael. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. No extension required. You can store, manage, and grow your portfolio, get NFTs, and multi-chain support. Download the Brave Privacy Browser at brave.com slash new to crypto and click on the wallet icon to get started. Today's episode is not one to miss. I have Tony Saliba, the founder of Mercury Digital Assets here today. Tony is a globally renowned business leader and a pioneer in the trading industry for the last four decades. He is a serial entrepreneur and master trader, as well as a trainer of traders. He has been a board member of the Chicago Stock Exchange. He is the founder of International Trading Institute, Liquid Point, Matrix Holdings Group, and Efficient Capital Management. He is also an author of numerous books, including the well-known book called Managing Expectations, And he is also the co-owner of the Elite Football League in India. Definitely do not miss this episode. Tony, it's an honor and a pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thanks, Michael. It's my honor and pleasure. Great to to see you here. Thank you. Before we dive into everything, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, after uh, college, I started as a uh, stockbroker. And this was in the 70s. And it was pretty slow times. In fact, a big day. And the stock market was 11 million shares. And we do that today in about the first 50 milliseconds. And I asked the guys I was working with as a junior uh, sales associate, well, who makes all the money in this business? And they said, the guys on the floor. And I was in Indianapolis and I grew up in Chicago and caddied for guys who were on the floor. So I came back to Chicago, got a gig as a clerk and quickly figured out options. And within under six months, I was on a seat and trading. And from 78 to 91, I was a floor trader. During that time, Michael, I would say necessity is the mother of invention was my watchword. And in 84, I had to develop my own style of managing risk and recognizing opportunity. There were no computers on the floor, theoretical values. You would have to get them off the floor and print them out. And when the stocks moved, you know, it was very hard to maintain a a delta neutral type of position. So I I figured out, I developed a plan to relative pricing and I would put them on these trading cards like this, the regular trading cards. And then in 84, I decided I'm going to write my own program. So I I teamed up with a a guy who actually was a coder, taught him options and taught him 
my style of uh, breaking down a position and doing risk management relative pricing. And my first software program took a lot of work out of my life and made everything streamlined and more efficient and less error prone. Um, I also happened to have a clearing firm at the time with a lot of options traders that cleared there. And my second program, which was a couple of years later, I wrote a margin package with the same guy. He did the coding. Uh, I directed him. And um, we were able to optimize our overnight uh, positions. Back then, if you recall in the early 80s, interest rates were in the high teens and it was expensive to borrow money. So this program saved us uh, millions of dollars. And then from there, I've, I've been in fintech ever since. I founded Liquid Point in uh, 2001 and we built it up and sold it to the Bank of New York about six years later. And then I started Matrix about um, four years ago. It's another broker dealer that uh, handles predominantly options traders and it's going gangbusters. I started Mercury in 2017 and we took the approach that we did in the options business and overlaid that on crypto. And our clients are predominantly institutions that service your listeners. Wow, Tony, you're a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Thanks for unpacking and sharing that. Sure. Before we dive in, can you share a little bit about, we're going to talk about Mercury Digital Assets, uh, your company. Can you share a little bit about Mercury and what it does? Sure. Mercury is a technology company that is focused strictly in the crypto space, but we handle all crypto options. We have uh, algos. So if, if you're a customer of one of our customers, you'll have a few, full suite of uh, algo applications. Uh, you can trade on multiple markets. We have um, a liquidity pipeline with a bunch of different market makers and OTC desks that uh, we provide to our customers for their customers to get uh, best pricing. And our solution can be uh, modified and customized based on uh, the user group's uh, desires. So we'll, uh, we have mobile app, we have desktop app, and we have a full stack of technology all the way down to, uh, we don't do custody. So we don't do settlement and custody, but we are partnered or connected to a number of the custodians and are able to deliver a full solution. But we'll take from the front end where the customer makes trading decision on a white label version of Beacon, which is our front end that can go, if they're larger orders and go to a, uh, a desk to shop them around or completely automated RFQs that hit a number of different liquidity centers. The well-known names uh, that are in the industry are connected to us. Okay, awesome. And I have some questions that will go down some of that avenue here shortly. What would you say is the biggest challenges that traders face? Well, no matter what you're trading, just in general, that's you know a great question. I think the aspect of discipline, which also involves your focus, as a challenge. We have so many distractions uh, or possible distractions, and discipline is not only maintaining focus, but but also having a conviction on a trading idea. I don't trade very much, but I'm thinking about getting back to trading uh, more now. I mean, the last two years I've been focused on building up the business and no matter what your style is, what your time frame is, the size of your capital, um, having a plan, 
and sticking to the plan, uh, having an exit if the plan isn't working, and being being able to stay focused. That's a very high level and very basic. That's why some trading uh, psychologists have become very popular and famous over the years. And there's a company that a friend of mine runs that is actually bringing out a concentration hat. It's like the military has their concentration helmet. Uh, Elon Musk has an actual implant that does a similar thing, and it cuts out distractions while you're, whether you're putting or trading, things that you can easily change the course of what you're doing by being distracted. So having that ability, which not all of us have, I mean, it's very easy to go down a rabbit hole, look at something else, have the news on in the background, whatever. But that focus to me is a true sign of a you know great trader, great athlete, any professional that can focus going to be head and shoulders above the rest. Okay. So that's that also would be the advice that you would have for traders who are just starting out. Yes. Like the, the focus and to be patient and to strive for discipline. the goals, the discipline. Yes. Okay. And it's a buzzword for a lot of people. It's easy to say. People want you know, blood and guts examples of things that you can tell if you're, you know, being disciplined or not. And there's a lot that's been written about it. I've written written some things about it. But for the most part, if you don't know whether you're disciplined or not, then you need to drill down on that. If you are, you'll get it and you'll say, okay, I'm confident discipline isn't wrecking my style or my approach to the marketplace. I've also a big fan of sounding board being able to have an individual or a small group of trusted people to bounce ideas off of. That doesn't mean you should change your mind, but be open-minded about it. It saves so many. Like, for instance, I'll tell you a quick story. Two years ago, almost to the day, maybe two years, two weeks ago, and the story of the pandemic was starting to really take shape. And uh, I had friends that, you know, went out and bought a lot of puts, professional traders, they were getting ready for a collapse. And they actually started probably buying the puts in January, Michael, when we first started hearing about it. And Mm -hmm. you know what? They were spot on, but they bought the wrong expiries. They expired a big market move and Mm. they were left, you know, empty handed. They had a very small amount that bridged over into the March timeframe and maybe they salvaged what they uh, lost in premium on the other stuff. So nobody was really talking about it with each other. I heard about it in great detail as these puts were expiring and they were, you know, seasoned pros decades in the business. But if they had sounding boards and were talking to others and saying, what do you think? What's a better strategy? Should I go out a little bit longer? Maybe go a little further out of the money so that I'm um, not spending as much premium, but buying that time, you know, might have worked out really, you know, a lot better for them. So those are some basic tenets, especially for people new to the to the marketplace. Mm, thanks for sharing that. That's that's uh, just additional confirming. I, I know when I trade myself, I try to, you know, I strive to be disciplined. I have an objective when I enter, and I'm looking to exit. You know, I have basically benchmarks that I'm looking for. And we have a small, small group of, of others that trade definitely not on, on your level. I know you're a legend. Uh, we actually aspire and, and, you know, to, to reach your level, but um, you know. you're too kind, but you know, your audience, some of your audience is probably going to say, okay, I got that. 
But believe it or not, even for seasoned traders and they wander or they drift from that, they're doing well. They start to leave their better habits behind. And it is so important to go back to that. You know, it's like a Zen master who requires a student to come and renew uh, what they understand about the teachings and have like refresher course. But if you have that group of uh, folks that are a sounding board for you, it just goes so far to help, you know, stay focused and stay uh, centered in what you're doing. Okay. Definitely noted. Tony, you came from uh, the traditional markets and, um, that brings up the question, why crypto with Mercury? And what is it about crypto that has your attention? Well, great question, because um, as I stated at the top of the discussion about necessity being the mother of invention, in fact, I'm pretty sure my kids are going to put that on my, uh, on my tombstone because I walk through life and see people with problems or little stupid things that are repetitive that could be programmatically taken out of the situation. And as I you know, started digging in after a few years of being away from crypto, a great man and a, a fantastic uh, researcher analyst, Nick Colas, was uh, a colleague of mine when crypto came out in 09. And I read everything he wrote every morning. And, um, you know, very interesting. I think he has a a podcast himself right now. And I learned about Bitcoin right away. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I understand it. I I understand uh, uh, the concept of the blockchain and what is being done here and how, you know, the efficiencies of this. And then after a year or so of reading that stuff, I put it put it aside and um, went about my options business until about five years later, six years later, I saw that the marketplace was growing up and they were missing what we were doing in options. And that is the workflow automation for the professionals. And that no matter what the product is, if it's a trading instrument, larger customers, larger investors need to have an intermediary to talk to if they're going to place large orders. It's very hard just to open a desktop or uh, get your first wallet and plunge in large for big orders, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars transactions. So a lot of people, definitely those coming from capital markets, would prefer to have an intermediary to talk to them about it and execute for them. And so we've seen over the last couple of years a proliferation of trading desks, OTC desks, and even the capital markets now are having crypto divisions. So we set up Mercury to use the same great technology that we built, but next gen technology that we built for Liquid Point, which was and is the preeminent technology for sell-side options agents and made it crypto-friendly. And we built in all the same algos. We built in all the same, uh, we have RFQs and IOIs and the ability to slice and dice these large orders. So our customers are, are big institutions that service individuals of all sizes and even out to the smaller trader, the so-called retail trader with our uh, front end. We have a mobile app and we have a desktop app and then a um, workstation for the traders, professional traders. And it was a natural because these groups, whether you were a former options trader, 
or just starting out and being crypto native, the workflow and the trading ideas and the trading activities were quite identical. You know, in terms of uh, in an option space, we have uh, hundreds of thousands of strikes on all the stocks that trade, and then you add the indexes and the ETFs to them. So you have a lot of information to manage. And mostly uh, traders will focus on a small portion of that universe, but the agents need to cover a lot. So we handle a lot of data. We present it really well. We have full uh, front-to-back reporting, you know, margining when it's necessary. And it's been a labor of love. Uh, we have you know some very large clients. We have some clients that have a lot of small clients. Um, well-known crypto ATM company uh, that has hundreds of thousands of users uh, on our our software. So we touch a lot of the ecosystem in probably about a dozen countries right now. Wow, wow, Tony, thanks for sharing that. I actually have some more questions about Mercury and some of your technology. In you know just as being an insider and uh, you know a, a leader in the industry, I have I have a couple of questions about whales that I that I have to ask. You know, like um, what are the what are the whale games like? You know, you hear a lot about whale spoofing bids and stop hunting, and does that really happen? And and how does that happen? Interestingly, for your audience, you know, I'm a guy that passed this prologue. Okay, so I don't live in the past, but I you know, take visits to it and uh, bring it back to the present and then see how it overlays on the future. And I, you know, I time shift a lot in that regard. And I witnessed a lot of what you're speaking about back in the day, right? Okay. Now today, at least on the listed markets, there's a lot of technology that um, really is on the side of regulators. So spoofing and stacking and uh, various trickery techniques that used to happen in the day and mostly in futures. It was very hard to do it in options because it was a derivative of, of a li- liquid um, underlying, but they did it in stocks. A lot of that you know, has been uh, excluded from the listed markets. On the crypto side, um, it's very hard to see it. Okay, And I can't say unequivocally that I've uh, seen it happening, but I talked to a lot of traders, I talked to a lot of brokers, and I would guess uh, that it does happen. If you're a small trader and you're trading uh, small lots and um, regularly, you may not run into it. But if you need to get something done of size and you show your hand to the wrong you know, group, I think you can see the mark depending on what underlying you're trading, particularly if you're off the top five uh, most liquid coins, I think you'll encounter uh, whale games. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that the uh, SEC is probably going to, um, you know, uh, look into at some point. But, you know, I don't have an indicator that shows me that. We haven't had clients that complain about it too much to build something. But if you look at a lit market, you can see there's not, you know, the depth of the market really compared to uh, the capital markets is not robust. You need aggregation. You need uh, multiple venues. We have 30 venues that we bring together to try to avoid that. Wow. 30. Um, Some OTC, some lit, some market makers. Um, Mm -hmm. As you get more market makers in the space that are from the capital markets, Michael, I think 
for the most part, they come to the table with a regulatory conscience. And that, and I know a lot of them, uh, I'm partners with, with two of them, and I know they do not want to color outside the lines because on the listed side, it could be very expensive, even though on the crypto side, it's not implemented and may never be implemented for the underlying. I think derivatives, when they come to the U.S., uh, if they don't trade on a traditional listed exchange, probably be regulated even like, let's say, Coinbase you know, starts trading options, I think they'll be regulated similarly. Okay. And market makers get a bad rap in the space. Are they truly delta neutral or is the norm on crypto Twitter right? Like, are they they also playing these whale games or what would you say? That I can tell you from experience because we, on my broker dealer, we're connected to all of them and we see the different styles of um, response. And I would say that um, unequivocally, there are some that are delta neutral bulk of the time, and there are those who are never delta neutral. And they have a better uh, view of the market, for instance, and they have their lean, if you will. I, I wouldn't go so far as to paint it negatively like a whale game. I don't want to use their names, but I know specifically they do provide a good service in the marketplace. And I would say that the same is true in crypto, but they have better analytics. They have a lean. They push their books to be stacked the way they're leaning. So maybe let's say they're bullish. They'll be bid for five or 10 times as much as they'll offer. Because you know, as a trader, Every time there's a bid or offer, every time there's a transaction, that's market data, that's telling you something, and they process it. And being in the market as a market maker, you have a, a much greater attenuation to all those data points as they're happening. So that will either underscore your thesis of your lean or uh, get your systems to reconsider that maybe you missed something in your, in your uh, hypothesis. So the market making, there's obligations along with the benefits, but it lets you be top of the book, getting that information and leaning. Now, do they push markets around? Maybe, maybe, yep. I mean, I don't think there's like tremendous whale games where a, you know, individual with inside information, for instance, could really take advantage of the marketplace. I just think that they're really good at what they do better than most. And they, they're market makers to provide a service, but lean, not always, but when they do one way or the other, and then when they get confirmation of their thesis, they can push it. Tony, thanks for sharing that. You know, the crypto markets are not as mature as traditional markets. Uh, what things are still to come to crypto that traditional finance already has and what effects will they have on the markets? Great question. There's so much to come. It's coming. It's coming faster. Just in the last few years, the situation with banking, clearing, settlement, everything has been upgraded tremendously. Interoperability. In the listed space, we have 16 exchanges. Okay. Now we have infinitely more crypto venues when you consider uh, DeFi and not. So you have um, interoperability where the connectivity to multiple liquidity centers brings a more fullness of a pricing power to the end user. Now, along with that, 
one of the big things on the list in the capital markets, for instance, on the equity and options side is uh, reg NMS. So you have best execution metrics. Mercury is set up to give you best execution and best execution metrics. The difference is on the listed side, you have a benchmark because the uh, exchanges are all on this system. You have an NBBO, which is a national best bid and offer, and with crypto would be GBBO, global best bid and offer, if everything was connected. So our being locations would not be a big thing. You know, even five years ago, you could ARB spot between London and Hong Kong, for instance, and there was big money in it because there was no uh, connected um, markets to the to the degree they are today. Stuff is much tighter today, but it will get better and even more connected, at least in the U.S., as the regulators start to um, take a step towards that. Now, that's a double-edged sword. On the positive side are more tools, more derivatives. You know, we have, uh, for instance, we have algos that'll leg trades for the user between venues, a consolidated spread book so that you can see where the options are trading, a multiple venues. So the tools are coming. There, some of them are here now. Just like 20 years ago, when there was no technology and options, the stuff that we did in our head or on paper, uh, floor traders, the technology started being built and proliferated to uh, the end users with uh, Thinkorswim and Options Express. More recently, um, you know, companies like Webull. Uh, or uh, Robinhood, for instance, and giving a lot of great tools that um, only pros had a decade earlier. You're going to see that more and more in crypto. There, there's some of it now, but to proliferate those out to everyone connected to derivatives markets, particularly for U.S. customers, is on its way. Okay, let's segue into Mercury then, which provides trading technology for the crypto market. Can you break down the Beacon platform and, and what it offers? Sure. So Beacon platform was built for the sell side user, agent, broker, if you will, somebody who has customers, right? And needs to handle specific order types and specific uh, seeking liquidity from a lot of different customers, uh, whether they're still talking to them or doing it on chat or just getting it in electronically. Uh, so it's an order book uh, that allows the agent to um, get the order flow in, uh, be kind of a traffic cop if it needs assistance on liquidity and manage it, go out to our marketplace with RFQs. It's um, instant, you know, under a second, um, 10, or, 10 or 15 milliseconds max to get a two-sided market. It's super tight. And possibly that order needs to be executed over a time frame, uh, a TWAP, or based on how the notional is trading during the day, a VWAP. And our liquidity providers are the biggest you know, on the planet. We have over 20,000 pairs that we can offer uh, our clients. And the tools that the agents have allow them to uh, save time, eliminate fat finger errors, uh, manage a much larger book, automate a lot of those tools, uh, put a markup in uh, if that's their style of um, uh, compensation with their clients, and give full-on reports back 
to the clients and their management. So it's a professional trading desk. That's what Beacon was built to do. We also have a matching engine so the larger clients can actually internalize the flow so their customers can trade with each other and eliminate having to go uh, out to the marketplace too often. And then more recently, we've built a mobile app which has been white labeled and is in service in a number of different countries with um, the agents so they can reach out to their customers. So we have a full suite of trading tools. There's just pretty much nothing that we don't do in that regard. As I mentioned while we were chatting before we started, uh, with the exception of uh, settlement, the settlement aspect, we don't custody and we don't clear the trades. We have relationships with a number of the larger names on the street to do that. Okay. So it's a robust platform with extremely quick um, execution. That's awesome. Absolutely. Everything's fast. Everything is best prices, best execution. People go to our um, website. We also have a token that we're um, coming out with in March listed, a utility token. We're in the midst of a friends and family round. And once that's finished uh, in the next week or so, we'll be listing that and our website has all the tokenomics on that too. It's it's fun. Uh, we bring a lot to the small trader, and um, we're rolling out uh, an ex- uh, education component for options, just because that's another company that I have that we do those things on too, Michael. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web three crypto browser. What's Web three? Web three is freedom from big tech and Wall Street. More control and better privacy. But there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. Most wallets are browser extensions, a Web2 technology. That means the same old risks, app spoofing, phishing scams, and theft. Brave Wallet is different. Brave Wallet is the first secure wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. No extension required. With Brave Wallet, you can buy, store, send, and swap assets, manage NFTs, even connect other wallets and dApps, all from the security of the best privacy browser on the market. Whether you're new to crypto or a seasoned pro, it's time to ditch those risky extensions. It's time to switch to Brave Wallet. Download Brave at brave.com forward slash new to crypto and click on the wallet icon to get started. Tony, for people who do not know, what is OTC and what are the OTC white label solutions with Mercury? Great, great question. Well, so I think everybody on the planet, or at least in the English-speaking world, is aware of Coinbase and uh, Binance, uh, Gemini, Kraken, uh, you know, some of the bigger exchanges. And, you know, they're a one-stop shop to... Uh, open an account and get access to products that they offer. And OTC is pretty much wallet to wallet with a uh, OTC broker or a principal agent combination that'll make you markets and avoid having to go to the exchange, pay the exchange commissions, uh, risk you know having any um, hacking or any uh, problems that some of the exchanges might introduce in the situation. And larger traders utilize both, right? We're connected to some of the lit venues, but our liquidity comes from these OTC desks. A lot of them are former options market makers that provide a deep and tight market 
on popular pairs. As I said, all told, we have over 20,000 pairs that we can offer and adding them all the time, all coins, new coins. And you just manage your own wallet. You don't necessarily have an account with an exchange. And it's very popular. It's proliferated over the last couple of years. And I would say Mercury Solution is, uh, you might call it OTC in a box. And we give the OTC desk the ability to get rid of you know chat and multiple third-party apps that they use straight through processing with their reporting, margining. We do all the cash checks to make sure the customer can fully pay for what they're buying, things like that. So yeah, it's a um, it's our most popular product. And some of our OTC desks have taken and white labeled, made their own design. And I think we have samples on our website, make their own design for mobile app or desktop apps of their customers, all browser-based, HTML5, super fast. And it saves them time to market, full control, and extremely reasonably priced for them. Awesome. Thanks for breaking that down, Tony. Mm -hmm. And I think it gives our listeners a much better understanding. What solutions are exchanges and other service providers in need of most, would you say, in in terms of the crypto industry? Well, I think the custody slash banking component that allows a user to trade multiple asset classes. We had this problem in the late 80s where you could not uh, efficiently trade futures and listed options or basket of stocks because there wasn't cross margining. And I was actually involved on the committee. We worked very hard to uh, get the regulators to accept futures and equities in the same risk package so your capital could be used efficiently, right? Rather than having to put up margin for futures and margin for uh, equities. So cross-margining is one thing. An easier way to get uh, your fiat rails, the ability to open accounts with fiat currency and start trading. A lot of the custody shops you know, don't have banking license, so they have to have a relationship with a bank. And be blunt about it, a lot of Capital markets shops are still nervous about crypto, uh, mostly because they're not sure what the regulations are going to look like. So they don't want to get their you know what in the ringer and then have the Fed come back and say you put a toe over the line and had a violation. Last year, Schwab uh, had an open letter to the SEC, please give us guidance. Our customers want to trade this. We want to give them a solution, but we don't have guidance yet. So, um, I mean, it was a transition of election year. Uh, it's overdue for that guidance. But I think cross-margining, better uh, banking or easier banking for Americans, that's right around the corner. Okay, excellent. Tony, I have a question that I'm sure our listeners would, would love to know the answer to. What is the highest conviction, best trade you've ever made in your career? Whew. Well, okay. Two components to that question, Michael. Um, best trade ever versus highest conviction. So I've had a series of great trades that worked out that I had extremely high conviction on when I did it. I mean, I knew as a spreader in options, I recognized my win as I put the trade on. And then it was just a matter of the trade coming in line. Whereas those who are just trading the underlying or doing uh, technical analysis or swing trading, 
they recognize one half and then something else has to happen to uh, be profitable. And that's not saying that somebody who's really good at technical technical analysis sees a structure and takes advantage of it and they know they're going to win. But in options, it's even more certain you could lock in winnings when you see them set up and you make that trade. Well, my best trade ever, I would say, was what happened when I was just performing my market making requirements and buying what everybody thought was crap <laughs> from um, Merrill Lynch and Goldman Sachs as brokers for their customers as they were selling deep, deep, deep out of the money puts in the summer of 1987. <laughs> and I was being overloaded with these puts that seemingly were going to be worthless. And I didn't have a lot of choice. And there were other of my fellow market makers that had to do the same thing. But a lot of them were like, hey, you know, I'm fed up with this. So the key was how do you hedge something that's nearly worthless because the decay, which was going to be automatic, having purchased so many of them was going to be large. There wasn't an easy hedge, right? And I was a butterfly trader and I put on a lot of butterflies that I calculated would cover my exposure to these deep out of the money puts that I was getting stuck with. And those butterflies I was constructing at a very low cost so that if the market moved, my hedge wasn't going to kill me. But if it didn't move, the hedge on the junk I was getting stuck with uh, would cover my cost. So this is a complex structure. I established it in starting in late August through September, late September. And when the market started to crack in early October of 87, I had to do some maneuvering so that my hedge, which was starting to make me money to cover all the premium I had on those out of the money puts. And it was tricky to, to get rid of the hedge, some of the hedge, and there's still no bid yet for the puts. And then boom, um, just days before the market crashed, still the biggest crash ever in market history, percentage wise, life started to uh, be breathed into these puts where the guys who sold them were coming back through Merrill Lynch and Goldman Sachs and some other brokerage houses to try to buy them back. And nobody really had them, but a couple of us. And we were stingy on letting them out. And they ended up going up over 5,000 X. So 50 times they went from $6 to $3,000 or more actually. So the hedge was close-ended. That was the butterflies. They collapsed. It gave back some of the hedge profit, but it was um, fixed, done and dusted. And these things exploded and made millions. So that you know was my legendary explosion trade that I didn't have conviction because I was just performing my market-making requirements taking the other side of customer business, but constructed a hedge to allow me to, to do it and then paid off huge, bigger than a lot of almost anything else I did in one specific trade. And wow. it was talked about, I think, in um, Book Market Wizards and um, maybe a couple other uh, books that have been written about it. But you know, we have a saying, as you probably have a saying, it's better to be lucky than good. <laughs> so, <laughs> there, you know, 
my luck was the guy kept selling, these guys kept selling them. The good part was I knew how to construct a delicate hedge to allow me to keep doing it and not get stuffed with thousands and thousands of dollars of worthless junk. And then the good part also was that I was able to hold on while the market crashed and um, scale out of those in a meaningful way. Thank you for sharing that, Tony. To our listeners, there's a wealth of information and knowledge that Tony just shared. Tony, in your group of companies, do you have any trading education? Maybe some of our listeners listen today and you know they're really interested in trading and you know maybe they don't know where to start. Or maybe they've traded before, but you know they really need to be pointed in some more, you know, a direction of being able to be educated in this area a little more. Yes, we have a program uh, called the uh, Elite Traders Challenge that we do in conjunction with uh, DTI, Diversified Trading Institute. They cover futures, options, equities, and everything. Great, great group of guys. And the participants have access to us. We actually uh, have a virtual mentoring. We have a portal. We answer their questions uh, one-on-one, myself or one of my colleagues, uh, within usually within an hour or so, but definitely within 24 hours. So Tony, in closing, is is there anything else you'd like to share with maybe regarding Mercury or just markets in general? Well, I think crypto should be part of everybody's portfolio. It gives you the freedom and and also the you know flexibility of store of value. Then the newer, more, if you will, speculative tokens and NFTs are cheap flyers if you are so inclined. Uh, so I think it's a it's a it's a wonderful place to be spending time and learning more about and taking advantage of the infrastructure that has been uh, put together for this. I see nothing but growth. And as far as Mercury, the Mercs are going to be tradable in March, probably less than a half of a penny a per. So visit our website and uh, stay tuned. And and Michael, it was just really great to spend time with you. Awesome. Likewise, Tony. Thanks for coming out and being on the show. You're welcome back anytime. And uh, and when you bring out the new token, we'll have to have you back on and maybe we'll do a special segment on YouTube. Sounds That'd be great. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. If you like today's episode, definitely like and subscribe to the podcast, show your support and chime in here tomorrow for another special episode. Until then, make it a great day. Thanks for tuning in to New to Crypto Podcast. If you like the episode, be sure to follow and subscribe. You can listen to every episode on all major platforms. Have an interest in being on the show or want advertising? Reach out at newtocrypto.io. Head over to our site, newtocrypto.io, to access the resources mentioned in each episode. Until next time, remember to navigate the crypto landscape with pinpoint accuracy.